Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial technician. Whether you've had years of success in your business or just starting out, Highlift Financial can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family, and align these for generational wealth. As they say, what happens in your life affects your business. And now, on to the show. Well, hello, and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with me, Matt DeFrancesco. And uh, hey, I, I know I always say I'm excited, but I'm really excited today for two reasons. One is this is actually my 50th episode. Now, I started uh, putting out these podcasts about two years ago. And if you told me I'd ever get to 50 episodes, I'd say you're crazy. So I just feel very blessed that uh, uh, I've been able to do this, hopefully provide some great content, and probably more importantly, just meet some great people. And, and you know, today's guest, I'm really excited about because I've been following some of his stuff, especially on social media. He was introduced to me by one of my previous guests, Barrett Smith. So let's, I'm just going to get right into it with uh, Clay Hobright, right? Yes, Clay Hobright. Okay, I got it right. So, <laughs> so Clay, uh, Clay's the, uh, he's the owner of Best Body Shop in Wichita, Kansas. And I think what I like best about Clay, and if you've been following the podcast, you know I have a tendency to like disruptors. And um, I think you know disruption, being uncomfortable is a good thing. It helps us to progress. And especially in the uh, collision repair industry, uh, it's changing so fast that I think we need disruptors to help kind of shake, uh, especially the independent family family owned shops, you know, shake them up a little bit to get them to understand that, hey, we need to change and evolve. So Clay started his body shop about eight years ago, I would say with a bit of nativity. Is that right, Clay? Oh, well, that's being very kind. Okay. <laughs> so, and he, he's got to realize some of the problems in the industry and it just didn't sit right with them. And I think that's the thing I appreciate with him most is he allows his integrity to guide how he conducts his business. And I think to me, that's something that touches my heart. You know, he decided to put people in front of profit and he's revolutionizing the way uh, that he's doing business and how a number of other uh, shops in the industry are doing business. So, you know, he's, a, he's an owner that strives to look out not only for his customers, but his family. So I'm really excited to learn more about Clay. So Clay, I just, I want to welcome you to your business, your life. Well, awesome. Thank you for having me on, Matt. And I appreciate the opportunity. You know, you talk about being naive, you know, Barrett Smith, your last, your last guest, his actual introduction to me was, Hey, uh, I've been watching a lot of your stuff. And uh, you're an idiot with a great heart. <laughs> and he and he said uh, he says, "Hey man, um, now if you actually got to know what you know what you're talking about and got educated, you could be effective for your clients." And uh, I, I'll never forget because he sent me Barrett sent me several emails, and I just ignored his emails. I didn't know who he was, but he knew exactly what would get my attention and that you're an idiot with a great heart. <laughs> well, you got my attention. What do you need? That's right. That's right. Yep, you know? yep, yep. And it's, it's funny to me. It just, and, and it kind of blows my mind how God puts the right people in front of us when we need them, you know? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think that's something that's, uh, that's really important. They seem to always just kind of show up at that time that we need them. Yeah. I, I would not, I would not be in the collision repair business if I didn't met, meet Barrett. Uh, you know, looking back, if you would tell me back then when I met Barrett that life could be as good as it is now and I could control my business and own my business without it running me and, and have solutions for all the challenges and problems that we run into on a daily basis, 
as a collision repair business, I would tell you that it's impossible. And what we're experiencing today is it's incredible, but I was, I was ready to be out. I was ready. And Barrett talks about it all the time that the majority of his clients call him as a last ditch effort, almost, you know, in tears, like either this is going to work or I'm going to have to change, you know, career paths. And I was, I was pretty close to that when I, when I met with him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's something. So, so could you tell us a little bit about like your previous history before you met Barrett, how you got into the business and then what were these challenges? What were the things that were really just kind of driving you nuts, driving you to possibly exit the industry? Sure. So I, much like a lot of collision repair business owners, I got into the industry as a technician. Okay. You know, I've been in the industry now for almost 20 years and I, um, you know, I started out as, as just sweeping floors and cleaning cars and work my way up to, I fell in love with metal. I mean, I remember the first time working on hot rods and learning metal from, you know, from an older guy that was a body guy for years. And he taught me how to use a torch and how to make, you know, quarter panels and stuff that really got my hook. I mean, I, that hooked me fast forward. I, I worked out of a garage for many, many years. I always had a, a scratch that couldn't get itched and I didn't know what it was until I started my own thing. And then that scratch got itched and I I found out that I'm an entrepreneur that I was supposed to own my own business. Um, and, and that's eight years ago, I started best body shop and that was, I don't even know if you can really call it a shop at that time. (laughs) It was a 2,700 square foot building with no running water, no bathroom. Right. I didn't even have a compressor. The landlord that owned the property let me borrow his compressor. I didn't have a paint boost, luckily. Um, and you talk about, you know, God putting things in your position or putting it in front of you. You know, you could call it luck. You could call it being blessed. It just so happened that the building next door had a paint booth in the back that they didn't use. And so I, I would borrow their paint booth every day. Right. And it was, a, it was an absolute grind. You know, we wake up at you know, get to work at four or five o'clock in the morning, fill five gallon buckets of water because we didn't have running water and, uh, you know, and, and have all your prepping and everything set up towards your back door so that when the next door opens up at, you know, eight or nine, you can run over there, get all your painting done by five and then work the rest of the night. Right. Um, you know, it was 20, 20 hour days for many years on end. Uh-huh. And I think somewhere in, in between that, there was an awakening to how upside down and inside out our industry is. Right. Um, One of those things that woke me up is when an insurance company or an insurance adjuster walked out of my shop and he, he pointed at me and he winked and he goes, don't tell him about that. He he wanted me to keep it a secret, what we were doing to the customer's car. Right. And I, and I just, that bugged me. I went, I didn't, at the time I didn't know we were doing anything wrong. I really thought that we were doing everything right. Yeah. I, I called that customer and said, Hey, you know, and it was involving an aftermarket part. Right. And the, and the customer just put his foot down and says, no, I don't want an aftermarket part. And that was the first time that I ever felt the wrath of an insurance company that essentially made me make a decision on who I was serving. Mm-hmm. Um, they got really angry that I even told the customer that, yeah. um, and long story short, I made the decision right then and there that I'm only going to serve, you know, you can't serve two masters. Right. And I, and I, and I made the decision that the customer's the master. And from there, 
I almost got painted as the anti-insurance guy. And the truth was I was just a pro-consumer guy. And uh, what I found in our industry is that if you're pro-consumer, that makes you an enemy of the majority of the insurance companies that are out there, you know? Oh yeah. So it was a tough transition during that whole time. I, social media became important. Right. Um, I, I listened to a video from Grant Cardone and I listened to some videos from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk that talked about how social media is important for the business. And, and, and it convicted me to make some changes. I was adamantly anti-social media. I was old school. Right. And so I started utilizing social media. And when I, when I found the problems in our industry and no one was willing to talk about them, I utilized social media as a platform to speak about these things. Right. And that really grew a, a large following. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I met Barrett. Um, but Barrett, at that time, because I was uneducated, I was just a frustrated, angry body shop owner that wanted to do the right thing that thought that there was a different way to do things, but I had no idea how to do it. And I was making all these super angry videos about insurance companies. I was, you know, it was just an angry guy that had no, no uh, solutions. And that's where Barrett, that's where Barrett came in and he goes, Hey, this is kind of what my company is all about is I help people like you. And I remember we don't, you know, hold hands and dance into the sunset after that. I remember the next question after he told me, you know, that, he has this company. I said, okay, well, I'll hire you. And he goes, well, it's not that easy. Let me ask you some questions. And he started to ask me about the tools and equipment that I had and come to find out that I didn't have the majority of the tools and equipment that it takes to repair cars correctly. So he went, you're part of the problem too. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, okay, so you call me, tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me I need to get educated. Tell me that you can educate me, but I don't have the tools and equipment. Thanks dude. And he just essentially said, you can't hire me because I'm not going to take money that should be spent on tools and equipment, you know, as, as a payment. Okay. And then, and then he turned around and he says, but I love what you're doing and I'll work something out with you. And he ended up working with me. Um, I think for about, it was like, it was like a year, nine months to a year. And he worked for me. He worked, he did consulting with me for free. Um, He probably is going to, he's probably going to slap my hand for saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm talking to him tomorrow. So let's keep this on the low key. All right. So yeah, yeah. but no, and he's, he's okay with, you know, the story I've told it many times because what it was, he was sold out that I was going to, that, that I was going to adapt to it and and fix. And so the agreement that we had, as long as I was buying the tools and equipment or training that I needed, that he would help me through the process. Now, he never let me off the hook though. Every single time I got off the phone with him, he'd remind me his hourly rate and how much that call would have cost. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, Thanks, Barrett. I appreciate that. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I finally, I finally, in one of those consultation calls, he, he started asking about the tools. Hey, do you have the, do you have the spot resistance welder? Do you have the 3d measuring system? Do you have the scan tools? And I, when I was able to say yes, he says, awesome. Well, you can go ahead and start paying me now. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, send me an invoice. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. He didn't double it up just to make up. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. It would be worth it even if he, even if he did. I get it. I, you know, I, I, my story is very similar to yours, except it's in the financial service industry because, you know, I was, you know, I got involved and, 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 and I'm thinking that I'm doing the right thing for the client. And then I read the book, The, uh, the Big Short. 
And it was oh, yeah, not the, the you know, the what happened in 2008. And I went, you know, holy crap, I'm like, you know, I'm just a, a glorified salesman. And all I'm doing is yep. all they care about is me making money for them. And it wasn't until I met my coach that I could transform my business. So I, I relate to your story completely. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about 2008, because Grant Cardone, um, that's where he made his, you know, his his big break is 2008. Right. You know, when Le when Lehman Brothers collapsed and the whole financial sector was falling apart, uh, he differentiated himself by running towards, you know, the collapse instead of running again away from it. Um, right. And that's actually what we did during the Corona situation when right. okay. when the very first beginning, you know, a couple of years ago when Corona came out and everyone was real. I mean, we saw just body shops shutting down all over the place and everyone, I mean, it was a huge upset. Yep. We actually took, took an opportunity because I studied 2008 really, uh, I studied a lot. Um, right. And I, rem I remember when the Corona thing hit the next day, me making phone calls to some of the advisors that I had. And I said, man, this seems like 2008. Am I seeing things correctly? Mm -hmm. And they said, they said, yes. And I said, well, then while everyone's running away, while everyone's contracting, should we push all in? And that's what we did. We ended up remodeling the entire shop, putting all new equipment in. And we, you know, 40 days afterwards, we were able to open a shop back up that was brand new right. um, versus a lot of businesses that were coming back, you know, just trying to get things started back up, you know. It, it right. positioned us extremely well. And we've actually noticed um, our finances, you know, our, our, this year is going to be significantly better because of the decisions we made back then. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. I, it, oh, you know, yeah. it's funny. There's always um, in adversity, there's always opportunity. And I think I, I know in 2008, cause I was brand new in the business. I started like about 2006 and um, you know, all of a sudden it was like, uh, you know, this happened and I'm still trying to build a book of business. So I'm calling people and I was the only one calling them because every other advisor out there was scared. They were hiding under their yeah. desk. And so you, I 100%. think you're so right. There's, there's, there's opportunity everywhere. You made a comment when we talked yesterday. I thought you said if Grant Cardone, uh, Gary Vendorchak, Pat Lencioni, and Dave Ramsey had a baby, you would be the baby uh, child, right? That's, yeah, without and, a shot of a doubt, those are those are the influences of the foundation of our business and uh, the core values that we have here. And you know, and and that was something that's really impressed me. I mean, you talk about this idea of, of creating a culture that's humble, hungry, and smart. And I wanted you to expound a little bit about that. What that means, not only just for your customers, but more importantly for your employees. Because I think you know, in being a leader, we need that's where we need to take accountability and help to uplift the team. So I want you to talk a little bit about that philosophy and that culture. Well, I mean, a, a perfect example is like. Um, you know, this morning we have a morning meeting and uh, every morning we have a production meeting and there's there's 16 to 18 of us that are involved in that meeting. Right. And um, we go around and we talk. And one of the things that we do is like, what's your temperature? And so we go from person to person is one to 10. And you say, you know, oh, I'm a nine, I'm a seven. And when you start getting into the sixes, everyone starts to go, what's going on? Are you OK? You know, and uh, well, this morning was a perfect example. We had somebody that said he was a seven. And then we get almost done with the meeting and he raises his hand and he goes, I got to be honest with you guys. I lied. I'm at a six and I just didn't want to talk about it. And I don't think it's right for me to be dishonest to the, the team. 
And I'm, I'm doing a lot better now that I'm motivated. I had some things that demotivated me this morning from the house, but now that I'm here, I'm at an eight, I'm excited, but it's, it's creating a culture that that kind of conversation cannot just survive, but actually thrive. Right. Um, I think that in general business practice period, you're seeing a lot of behaviors that are not conducive to high levels of success. Mm-hmm. And that behavior is actually um, rewarded instead of negated. Yep. And so it really is breaking down the walls between life and work. Like the work-life balance is it's the most ridiculous thing could, that could ever come out of somebody's mouth. Exactly. Um, you know, the saying, you know, leave your problems at the door. Are you asking for your employees to be liars then the eight hours that they're at your shop, you know, and really being able to open an opportunity for a team to be able to raise their hand and say, I made a mistake or I don't know what I'm doing. And that's what Patrick Lencioni talks about all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's what we have here, or at least that's what we're consistently working on. It's without a shadow of a doubt, the hardest thing that we've ever done. Um, if ever, if everyone, you know, in the collision repair business, if you're listening to this and you're thinking that the insurance world is the hardest thing you're going to overcome, try building a culture that's based in love and based in, you know, we have the humble, hungry, smartest kind of the things that if, if something's going wrong, we know something's wrong in those three, one of those three areas, right? you know, and that's, that's out of, uh, five dysfunctions of a team with Patrick Pizzioni and the ideal team player. And so we do all kinds of stuff in the shop in our business that, that are, is conducive to consistently growing that culture. Uh, we, we read a book a month, um, and we have book reviews every Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday. And we really, we, we live and die on this particular store. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, we've actually lost high level, uh, employees, for cultural reasons. We've had painters that came in that showed up on time, worked really hard, was were incredible at their job, didn't want to participate in being humble, hungry, and smart, didn't want to be transparent, vulnerable, honest, and really just wanted to come in, clock out, clock in, kick ass, and clock out. Right. And we we actually because we had to make that decision of well, is this uh are we really going to be all about this or not? And because of, because we made the decision that the culture is the most important thing here, there wasn't a fit for the, you know, for those kind of people in our shop. Right. It was, it was challenging. Those are, those are tough decisions, man. And, but yeah, I, I really think, and it doesn't matter if you're in the collision industry, no matter what industry you're in, it's so important to develop that culture. Cause Lencioni talks about that. You know, we talked a little bit yesterday about this idea of you having conflict, but you know, the foundation of his pyramid is this idea of trust. And, yeah. you know, if you, if you have to have productive conflict to be able to progress forward, but if you don't have that foundation of trust, you know, you're screwed. And I think that's yep. something that really impresses me that it sounds like you're, you know, you may not all be best friends, but you all trust each other and you're all part of, you've, you've all part of a team and they understand yeah, how we, the ships rise as, as the water rises, these ships rise. Yeah, we have, um, we had a conversation in a morning meeting just the other day um, where we all sat down and we have the triangle written on a whiteboard over, we all know the five dysfunctions, you know, trust and accountability and, right. and conflict. And, and so we're all sitting there and I said, um, I said, guys, 
how important is trust in this team? And everyone was like, huge. I mean, everyone was like, oh my God, it's, it's crucial. It's the first thing on the, on the deal. Right. And then uh, I said, okay, so what about conflict? And everyone kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, so which one's more important or the same importance? Okay. Then why aren't we conflicting? Yeah. You know, oh, wow. it could be because we don't trust each other and we're afraid to say certain things. So it, it's those kind of conversations that we have all the time. This morning we had a conversation about, we, we set a goal Monday and we selected particular cars that were going to be done this week. Right. Um, and just like any good plan, you get in the middle of it, you get hit in the face and things change. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed in our team this morning is things changed, but we kind of just glossed over it. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I'm in a position now in the business, I'm blessed with a team large enough that I now can take a back seat and almost play referee. Oh, that's good. Which yeah. I love. Right. I have a general manager that's that's learning to take over my position and I have a production manager that's running the shop back there and we've got a really healthy staff. So I'm able to just kind of oversee and kind of have the 10,000 square foot view. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, in the middle of the meeting, kind of step in and I was like, hey guys, if we're not going to hit the goal, does that bug anybody? You know, and everyone's kind of like, you know, kind of sticking their hand up. And I said, so why don't we feel the freedom to be able to be honest about what we're really thinking? and communicate that I said because here's what it looks like we ignore it today hope it goes away Friday we miss the goal and we get upset and then we talk down on each other and we try to find who the fault is and I said it's just not a healthy that's not healthy at all for us right. you know and so then the rest of the team was able to kind of speak up and and kind of and, and, and the cool thing is I was able to say hey listen I don't want to be the one that does this when I'm gone I expect you guys to be able to do this by yourselves. Right. You know, I was able to say, you know, I looked at the sales, the, the, the finance lady and said, Hey, you should be able to, you're a part of the team. You know, I looked at the marketing guy and I said, you're a part of the team. You guys can speak up. Say, wait a minute, Monday, we talked about this, but today it's changed. Yeah. Shouldn't we have a deeper conversation about what that means or how, what that's going to affect, right. <laughs> you know? Right. So we made the adjustments and, and it was incredible. We were able to, to agree and commit to it and move forward. Uh-huh. No, I think that's, and you know what, and, and again, I think when, when we're able to do that, it can be uncomfortable, but I think what it does, it shows, it shows the employees that you care. At the end of the day, none of us would do, would do that in our home. Right. If you want a really healthy relationship with your wife, you're not going to lie. You're not going to hold things back. You know, we, we, we use a, a splinter analogy a lot in our shop, like, you know, not saying something like we did this morning can create a splinter today. And it might not be that big of a deal, but in a week it could inflame into an infection, you know? Right. And, and so these little things that you take care of now are important, you know, because they'll become bigger later. And, and so we try, and I, it sounds really weird, especially coming from a body shop, you know, but we really talk about love a lot. Like mm -hmm. um, there should be a level of love for everyone. And there should be a level of respect, just like you have with your wife or your husband or your kids. Mm -hmm. There's nothing different in that relationship building than at work, other than it's just not what is normal in society. Right. But failing is also pretty normal in society. And I don't want to join that club. 
Well, you know what? It's funny. I, I, I do this business planning every year with my coach. And, you know, one of the things we do, it's a lot, we spend probably a good third of the time just on our mindsets and like, you know, how are we thinking and what do we need to change? in that mindset. Yep. And one of them was, you know, how do we define failure? And it really revolutionized my thinking when I changed my definition of failure that I fail when I have not learned something from it. Mm. So what that allowed me to do then was to go and risk and take chances and get uncomfortable because, you know, the only way I would fail is if I didn't lose from it, if it didn't work. Okay. Well, why didn't this work? Okay. What do I need to yeah. adjust? And I think that's a, that's yeah. a healthy perspective to have because we have to risk. You know, 3M actually, I, I did some work with 3M a couple of years ago. We did some spot. They, they sponsored us with some stuff and we did some social media and we had some fun with them. I got to know the company really well. Mm-hmm. And 3M has that identical thought processes you know, part of the reason why they're so innovative is because they never, they do not punish because of failure. In fact, they encourage failure. They know that some of the most innovative inventions uh, are going to come out of many, many failures. And, and, and a lot of times you, you look at a lot of the things that they've created and it's like, well, it was on accident. It was on the way to something that we thought was going to be a success and it wasn't, but it, this came out of it, you know? Right it's that mentality to consistently think like I, I tell my guys all the time. I said, if, if failure um, or if, if success is equals the lack of failure, if success is the lack of failure, then the most successful person is the person that doesn't get out of bed. (laughs) I mean, that's that's the reality. So I'm excited to fail every day. I had a, I had a meeting right before this with my finance lady and she was really She's going through and learning a lot of stuff and she's in areas that she's never learned before. And she's carrying this burden. And I'm like, you're going to think back at this a year from now. And this is going to be such a smaller problem than you think it is now. And you should just enjoy going through learning through this. You know, it's very, it's very similar to goal setting. Everyone thinks that you set goals so you can hit them the most depressed I've ever felt in life is when I hit a goal, you know, yeah. the fun, the, the fun is the journey to it. That's right. why I personally make my goals every single day. So that I have something new that I'm going after and they change all the time, you right. know? Right. Oh yeah. And priorities change all the time too. And so I, I, I think that's, 100%. A, that's a healthy way to look at it. So, you know, Clay, I mean, boy, we could, we could go on, but I do, um, I just want to touch on this real quick is with a lot of the changes, the rapid changes that the industry are facing. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you're adapting and, but even, I mean, I'm sure on a technical end, but also on the people end, what are you, what are you doing differently? Oh my God. Um, This industry is upside down, inside out, and it is an absolute mess. Um, and I, man, it's hard to pinpoint all the things. I will tell you this, that I believe that running a collision repair business today is a hundred times easier than it ever has been because of the tools, equipment, the training, the education, the technical uh, information. If you want to run a collision repair facility correctly, pull procedures and read them and make sure that your technicians are utilizing them when repairing cars. It's that simple. Right. You know, I talked I talk to... You know, I talked to body shop owners that have had their shop for 30 years and they're going, we never had the information or the documentation that we have today. Wow. You know, 
it makes it so much more simple. You know, we, we used to put on these classes. We put these classes on every once in a while called get to know repair procedures uh-huh. where we literally, and we have people flying from all over the country that'll come into the shop and we have a big flat screen in the, in the shop that we pull procedures on and we'll read through the procedures. And one of the things Blake Baker used to be one of the, one of the technicians that I had hired here, he'd do the class. Um, He would go through and read the procedures and, you know, in a room full of technicians that usually have a pretty large ego, he says, you know, what's missing out of this that I don't see is your opinion. He said, nobody, nobody, nobody asked, you know, today, the changes that we're seeing in the vehicle today are saving people's lives. Yes. The sub, the substrates are different. The computer system's different. The restraint systems are different. Um, how the vehicle absorbs energy, controls that energy, um, tracks that energy. Right. I mean, it's all it, it's all far beyond uh, a hunk of metal with a with a you know a steel steering wheel and a and a seat belt and just crossing your fingers that if you get into a wreck you're just gonna not you know chew on the steering wheel. Yeah. And so today, the cars that we're working on today, the part the, the reason why I say it's easier than it ever has been is just the same engineers that made that vehicle unbelievably safe are the same ones that create instructions on how to repair it. Mm-hmm. Just follow it. Yeah. You know, it's not hard. That simple. It's that a, simple, right? It is. We had an Explorer come in and, and, you know, it needed rockers because of, of rust and we don't do rust very often, but the customer wanted this car has sentimental value somehow. And he wants this repaired and we pull the procedures well, the procedures say that the sectioning for where you section the, the rockers in would make the roof have to be removed and the windshield. And it, we're like, man, it would be so much easier if you just cut it lower down on the rocker. And so we had a meeting about it that, you know, my repair plan writer, my body technician, and I sat down and, uh, and clearly read on there that if you don't follow these procedures, it could affect the crash worthiness of the vehicle, the structural integrity of the vehicle. Yep. Therefore, a subsequent accident could affect the, the, the safety of the consumer. Right. So I went, well, this isn't rocket science. It isn't what we wanted to do. Right. We'd much rather, but at the end of the day, Ford didn't call us and say, hey, what do you think about these procedures? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So. But it's the way the car was designed. And I think, you know, that speaks a lot to doing what the right thing. It's, it's, it's yeah. about doing the right thing for the, uh, for the customer. And I think, you know, we, I'd love to have you back on to talk about that aspect yeah. too, at some point, but um, you know, I, 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 am just so impressed with just your integrity and how you are committed to doing the right thing for the customer and for your employees. And yeah. um, I think, you know, there was an, there was a book I read years and years ago called self-made in America by a guy named John McCormick. I mean, this is probably like 20 years ago. I read this thing, but I remember he had a philosophy in there that kind of blew my mind. He said, you know, they always say the customer's always right. And he says, mm-hmm. that's incorrect. He goes, yeah. the employee is always right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, again, yeah. it comes back to the leader. So if they're incorrect, it really comes back to the leader. So the leader's got to train them. But if you have you know, an employee that you can trust and that, you know, will do the right thing. The customer is going to be happy. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, one of the things that's missing in our industry mm-hmm. is we have an entire industry of body shops that are either scared of the insurance company right. or 
uh, ran by the insurance company uh, in partnership with the insurance company. And what happens is, and this is what I see in my own city, and I see because of our social media and the videos that I make, I get a lot of phone calls from technicians around the country and body shop, you know, managers. I very rarely get them from owners uh, because they're, they're realistically, they're the problems. Um, I get these technicians that go to the, the training they are educated, they have ethics and morals, they want to do the right thing, but they're told to do the wrong thing in order to please an insurance company. Um, and, and, and the challenge is this, when you have an entire staff of educated people and you don't respect them, you're not going to be able to have any kind of trust with them. You're not going to be able to conflict with them. Right. Uh, the perfect example is that Ford Explorer. Yeah. You know, for me to be able to take the back seat to my technician, I literally at a certain point looked at him and said, you're the expert. You tell me what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that in shops nowadays. Yeah. You see, you see the owner or the manager or whatever, you know, go slap them on their back and say, just get the thing done. The customer needs it in three days. Let's go. Yeah. And then you have this, this technician that now has no pride in his work. All right. You know, does what he, I mean, you would be blown away. You, Matt, you would, you would freak out at the amount of pictures that I get from technicians and body shops doing improper repairs and having just, just feeling like, well, I got to feed my family and I don't know anything else to do, but my boss won't let me, you know, they want me to weld on a used quarter panel or we're putting on a rusted rear body panel or a, or an impact bar, or we're not measuring you know, we're, and again, it's, it's all based on, well, you know, if we, if we do it correctly, well, it's going to upset the people that are bringing work in right. the insurance companies yeah. and the technician ends up getting, you know, hit the majority of the technicians that I have here come from other shops. And there was almost, um, abuse therapy that we had to go through. <laughs> I had to, pr- I had to prove to them that I wasn't like the other people right. that, I wasn't going to ask them to cut corners that you don't. And again, like, think about this. How effective is the team if you have to protect yourself from your own teammates? Right. You know, when you have to, when you have to lie to your own teammate to be able to feed your family, or you have to hold withhold information from your own teammate uh, just to keep your doors open. It's just, it's not healthy at all. Uh And I see a lot of that as this lack of trust, a lack of respect in our industry, simply because our focus is on the wrong thing. That's right. That's right. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, everybody would agree that uh, slavery is a horrible thing, yet in many ways, the workplace is like slavery and both not yeah. just to the technicians, to the, you know, the shop owners that are, that feel like they're slaves to the insurance company and may just yeah. do the work because, Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta run cars through my shop and it's the only way yeah. I feel like I can do it. So, well, yeah. I, I actually, uh, there's this, there's this almost predisposed mindset that to be a successful business owner, you have to step over people or step on people. Right. I actually had a, a, we're close buddies now. He's a business owner right here in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And we were, he has a, he has a couple different businesses and he called me one day and he was just really bummed out. And he's like, man, I just, you know, I guess I think I'm just too nice of a guy. I guess I'm just going to have to be like the rest of the people and just, you know, start, you know, stepping on my employees. Da, 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 da. And I said, why don't you, why don't you come down for a morning meeting? I said, I don't, I don't believe that. You know, I, I think that 
you all can, and it's like what you said earlier, the rising, you know, all the ships can be raised by the same tide. And I, and I, and I said, just come down to a morning meeting. He came down to a morning meeting and then hung out for another three hours asking questions. He was like, I've never seen anything like this. And I said, well, this takes years and years of dedication and a lot of hard work. But once you build it, it's a foundation you can build off of. And now we have employees coming in just simply because they hear about the healthiness that's happening at our shop. And that healthiness translate into finances, but it also translates into personal experiences and personal life. Right. You know, it affects everything, you know. Well, you know, the name of this podcast is Your Business, Your Life, because basically, you know, in my experience working with business owners and, you know, especially with shop owners, you know, what happens in your life affects your business and your business and your life, vice versa. And I think about, I just think about the legacy that you're creating for your children, that seeing you and your wife work in this way with people, the impact and it's and it's it's not really what you say; it's how you guys do it. And I think that's something that's really being that can be really exciting. You could be creating a legacy for many many generations in your family for years to come. I think it's I think it's awesome. Well, something happened. It looks like I lost Clay. I lost my video. So, but anyway, you know, I'm really excited about having Clay on the program and we'll have him on again because I just think there's so many topics, this idea of culture and how it affects our business and our, you know, it can affect the lives of employees. I think that's important. I think about doing the right thing. There's so many areas we can go with it. So we'll have him on again here. I know he's not here, but I want to thank Clay for uh, being on the program. And the last thanks uh, will go out to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for listening to your business, your life with me, Matt DeFrancesco. If you've not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. That way, when a new um, podcast comes out, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And this makes it much easier for you to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a thumbs up and a five-star review so that we can uh, reach more listeners. So again, thank you so much for listening. And from all of us here at High Live Financial, make it your best day every day. And we'll see you again next time. Take care and God bless. Hey, I really want to thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. If you want to be notified when new episodes become available, click the subscribe button below. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of High Lift Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, DBA, High Lift Financial, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state security authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.